0: Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. So as I said a few moments ago, this month I want to share with you the idea of let your life teach you. And I'm going to share across four different areas of my life that really continue to inspire me, to challenge me, and to teach me. And it might be fun for you to also kind of think about for yourself. As you look out on your life, where are the areas of your life that really do teach you? So I told you the title of the talk is Morning Commute or Morning Commune. And of course, I'm talking about the idea of looking at the way we get from point A to point B in our cars. What does that say about us? What can that teach us? What does that reveal to us about where we are and who we are spiritually? Do you remember when you first learned how to drive? Raise your hand if you remember when you first learned how to drive. I bet that if it was your mom or your dad or an older sibling or an instructor, that they remember teaching you how to drive. I remember vividly, vividly, when I got my learner's permit, you could get it when you were 15 and a half, and I was probably 15 and a half in a day, had my learner's permit, and my dad was a person who taught me to drive. And I remember the two of us getting in the old family, green dotson driving to my high school, Patrick Henry High over here in Del Cerro, to the parking lot when you kind of still do that and you didn't get trouble for, in trouble for teaching kids how to drive in a school parking lot. My dad pulled into a parking space, we switched seats, and he took out a glass of milk The in that we had was a stick shift. My dad, and his glass was filled a little bit more than mine, my dad insisted that we learn how to drive a stick shift car. And so I did. The glass of milk was set on the dashboard area. And the goal was, I was to learn how to shift without spilling a drop of milk. And you wonder why I am the way I am. (laughs) That's only one story. (laughs) Only one story. I have never forgotten that lesson. I can still drive a stick shift. I probably would spill milk because I don't have a car like that that I drive very often anymore. In fact, we don't. It's John's car, and I'm afraid to get in that thing now. But I remember vividly that whole experience. I also remember just how incredibly patient he really was in showing me and explaining. In fact, I felt like when we were done, I could probably build a car because it wasn't just how to drive it, it was everything about it. Let your life teach you. Morning commute or morning commune. There are several ideas that I want to share with you for turning your experience of driving into a spiritual experience, a spiritual practice. The first is this. It is so important when we're driving to pay attention to the road signs. Have you noticed that? It's kind of important to pay attention to the signs. And if we do not pay attention to the signs, all sorts of things can happen. Have you noticed? We can get less-than-supported hand gestures given our way. We can hear the sound of an angry horn. We can get a ticket. We can get into or cause an accident. We are needing to pay attention to the signs. Our life is forever giving us signs. We need to pay attention to the signs that our body gives us. Our body gives us signs when something's not working very well. The sign is usually called what? Pain. Pain. And it usually starts off pretty minor. And it tends to get worse if we don't pay attention to it and take care of what the sign is trying to tell us. The sign is trying to get our attention to take some form of action. How about signs in our relationship? Have you ever not paid attention to the signs in your relationship? Everybody's always paid attention to the signs. Have you ever not paid attention, and how did that work for you? Probably not real. Right, Glenn, you're going like this. Not real well, right? The signs in our relationships. If we're paying attention, we can kind of sense when the other might be moving away from us emotionally, distance, Paying attention to the signs in our relationships while there's the opportunity to do something about it, if only to acknowledge that we recognize the sign, even if we don't know exactly why it's showing up the way it is, or what the answer is. Just the fact that I'm noticing something, I'm paying attention to the sign. In our finances, what happens if we don't pay attention to the signs? We can find ourselves in significant financial challenge. And all of these things really are true, whether we're talking about ourselves as an individual person, about a family unit, or about a country. So we need to pay attention to the signs. We also need to stick to the speed limit. Have you noticed that that's kind of important? Have you noticed that there are consequences if you don't stick to the speed limit? Now, I know the speed limit seems, the older I get, the more squishy the speed limit seems to be. You know, 65 isn't really 65. It should be. It's what? Right, it's, I'm, I'm hearing 70, I'm hearing 75. I think it used to be 70, now it feels like it's 75, and even in the right-hand lane, right? Sticking to the speed limit, why are there speed limits to begin with? Safety. For safety, right? And have you noticed, even if you don't pay attention to them, have you noticed that there are different speed limits in different places? Of course you have, and why? It's because different situations require different responses of us. It's a little bit like in our life, and this is where I feel I I have to practice a lot. I'm not doing very good sometimes with this area. You can't drive everywhere at 65 miles an hour, or 70 or 75, whatever your version of 65 is. You certainly can't do that in residential areas, right? It's dangerous. But what about our lives? Have you noticed that each of us has a certain kind of rhythm in our life, that each of us have periods of time and days of, uh, hours of the day perhaps, where we have more energy, more go, and other times where we don't seem to. We know that to drive our cars safely for ourselves and for others, we need to moderate our speed according to the circumstances we're in. The same is really true in our lives that we need to not just be running on the same frantic speed all the time, but be able to step back and moderate by looking at what are the circumstances around us, what, going back to the previous, what might my body be telling me? Where do I need to pull back a little bit so that when I need to go fast, when my life is requiring a lot of me, I can give that because I have also stepped back when my life has said, it's time to do that. Morning commute or morning commune? What does it teach us? How about your rearview mirror? Do you use it? Or your camera, if you have a camera in in your car? Rearview mirror, right? It's important to use that. I got into an accident. I didn't cause it. January 6th, I know, because that was a big day. I was in the parking lot of Trader Joe's. Parked my car. Safely. I thought I was far away from any other car. Got ready to, got was starting to get out of my car, and I feel my car being hit. Another parked car, backed into my car, not looking in his rear view mirror. Not using his mirror. But what happens if we live our lives only looking back? Does that work too well? No. No, and we can look back longing for those days. You know, I imagine many of us during this pandemic time have looked back and we have longed for what was normal that maybe we took so for granted that we're not living in right now. But we also know that that rearview mirror, like the rearview mirror in a car, is meant to be used from time to time so that we can take in the information that we need to take in so we're making the best choices with where we're going, and to keep us safe, but we can't always be looking back there, or we won't what? We won't see what's right in front of us. We'll miss what's right in front of us. A a danger, I think, or a tendency, I think, as human beings get older, and as human beings move from maybe their work lives into retirement, These are pivotal points when sometimes the tendency is to look back way more than to look right where we are now and to look forward. So it's again that delicate balance. That's so much of what I think our spiritual practice is about. It's not the Either or, it's the both ends. So it's being able to use that rearview mirror of our lives, look back and reflect and learn from it, take the good, take the learning forward, leave the pain behind, but also be forward-looking and forward-thinking. Have you ever had the experience of trying to merge on the freeway and having to wait a really long time to merge? Anybody else ever have that experience, or changing lanes, or trying to yield? We show up. I think a certain aspect of our personality. I believe that that um, author I quoted—I forget his name now—that that said we reveal ourselves in the way that we drive. You know, one of the ways that we can show our compassion and our patience. Is how we handle simple things like merging and yielding. And what does that say to us about life itself? A few weeks ago when I was talking about partnering with God for abundance, I was talking very much from the place of living our lives with a generous heart. And there are so many ways to do that. And yes it can involve our money and yes it can involve our things, but it involves our total being. The way we show up, whether it's in our cars, looking at our cars as a mini church, a mini cathedral, a mini temple, where we can choose to practice loving kindness in the way that we merge, in the way that we remember our manners in our car. You know, our blinker is there for a purpose. And it doesn't just mean because I've turned it on that I can automatically go. It means I turn. It's like when you say please for something, you kind of wait for the other person to give it to you. Right? Am I too old-fashioned here? Or are we on the same page? We're on the same page. So, you know, what if we looked at our drive time, whether it's in rush hour traffic or not, as this isolated time of really practicing how we show up in life? I'm reminded years ago, and it must have been right after I had come back from one of our synthesis dialogues that we convened with the Dalai Lama, because he was very present in my mind and my consciousness. And I was driving somewhere, and it was kind of rush hour traffic, and I wasn't driving very nicely. I was feeling very irritated and not very loving and kind. And all of a sudden, I had this image of the Dalai Lama sitting in my car, in my passenger seat, and a little voice in my head said, and how would you be driving if he were your passenger? My driving changed in an instant in that moment. And I reflect on that, and I say, why? Why? Because I was aware of a different way of being in the world. I was aware that even in the ordinariness of driving my car, that I could choose to have that be a mindful practice of loving kindness and generosity, or I could be dead asleep to that opportunity. I've never forgotten that. And every once in a while he still appears. And I know he appears because there's room for improvement. There's room for improvement. So just you know, knowing, knowing that we can use the, this little thing called our car as a sanctuary of kindness, a sanctuary of practicing presence, I think can be a real game changer. You've all heard the expression, stay in your lane, right? Stay in your lane. And it's usually used as an admonishment to stay in the realm of what you know. Don't speak about things that you don't know. In driving, of course, we know it means make sure you're going to stay in your lane, and if you're going to change, that it's safe, safe to do so. But what about in life? What does it mean for us to stay in our lane? I think it means for us to be kind of on purpose as best we can be. What are we really here to do and be? And that's not what our physical job is in the world. Our physical job can be a vehicle through which we live out our purpose, but it may not actually look like our purpose. What I mean by that is I think fundamentally we are here for some very basic things. We are here to love. We are here to remember who and what we are. And I think we are here to help others remember who and what they are. And whether we do that as a school teacher, or we do that as somebody who's good with their hands and can build things, or we do it with somebody in front of the room reminding us of things we know, or we do it in front of lots of people or a small number of people, it's the same purpose, to show up and love each other, to show up and serve each other, making a positive difference, to show up and to help one another live a better life. And so wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whether we're getting a paycheck or a social security check, whatever, our purpose, I think, is still the same and staying in that lane, if you will. In other words, always remembering that. If it can't be at the forefront of your mind, then allow it at least to be in the background allow it to be something that informs and influences whatever you do when we get in our cars most all of the time when we get in our cars we know where we're trying we know where we're trying to get to right i suppose sometimes people might go in their cars and just go for a complete adventure with no destination in mind but for the most part most of the time we're pretty deliberate. We're in a car, we want to go from point A to point B, and we usually have a time frame that we're trying trying to, to get there. But have you noticed that sometimes the time frame doesn't always work? Have you noticed that Caltrans doesn't ask you if it's convenient to shut down the lane on your freeway? Have you noticed that, you know, the city of Poway doesn't say, hey, we're going to shut down Pomerado Road? Those of you who live near I do. What could usually take five minutes can take 45 minutes now from one end of Pomerado to the other. I don't remember getting a notice from anybody saying, hey, Wendy, you know, this. we hope this doesn't inconvenience you, but you might have to change your plans when you go from point A to point B if you're traveling on this road because we're going to do some work. Life doesn't usually just give us all of those forewarnings, right? We just find one day, ta-da, This is what's in front of me. And how do we handle that? How do we handle that? Do we greet it with, wow, what a wonderful opportunity. I didn't know I was going to be able to meditate for an extra 15 minutes while I sit here. I didn't know I was going to get to meet the fuller expression of myself, the shadow and the light. Do you see what I mean when I'm saying and suggesting strongly that all of our life can teach us? And yes, we can come to places like this, and I hope you always do come to places like this, to be taught and to to teach each other, to support each other. But the spiritual path, I, I was reading a quote just this past week, and it just hit me. It's very, very simple. And the idea was simply, the spiritual path is right beneath my feet. And I thought, that is so simple, but so true. Wherever I am, the path is right there. If I'm paying attention, if I'm bringing my spiritual perspective into that situation, and whether it is in my car or waiting in a line or sitting in the chapel upstairs, there really isn't a more holy place than another. The path is right where we are. And final, another idea I would just share is What do you do when you get lost on the road? Now, some of you will say, I ask for directions. And some of you will elbow your partner and say, I wish you would ask for directions. When we get lost, there's nothing wrong with asking for directions, whether it's Siri or something else, or some of you will remember the Thomas Brothers maps, right? (laughs) those big tomes for every county in, in the country. When well, we're lost, we ask for directions. We admit that we don't know where we are and we, we need some help. And that's true of us in life, too. No matter how smart we are, no ho- matter how many things we've accomplished, no matter how, how many things we've made it through, there are still going to be times that we're lost there're going to still be times that we feel like we just don't know we just the things we've done in the past aren't working right now or not working the way that they used to and those are the times that I think we pull over and we ask for some help we pull over and we ask for some directions and that can take many forms it can take deepening into our spiritual meditation practice it can take seeking seeking professional help with a counselor or a therapist It can take a phone call to your prayer partner. It can take going back to an AA meeting. Only you know what that would be for you. But help is always there. Help is always there. When we ask for it, it is there. But we have to be willing to ask for it. So as I wrap this up, I hope that there are one or two ideas that really just kind of clicked with you I hope that when you get in your car, when you leave here this morning, that you'll be thinking about, this is my little sanctuary. I'm going to turn this into a practice place. And I hope there's just one or two ideas that you say to yourself, I can use this. Because in all my years of working these ideas, what I know is if we will just take an idea or two and work it consistently, it's going to fundamentally change our lives. And that's what we're about. We're about transforming our lives, and we're about together healing our world with love. Namaste.